0: If you take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, while you're turning there, we'll update you. <clears throat> we had uh, 167 uh, gospel outreaches for the week. That brings a total up to 7,838. And uh, uh, update you on uh, Sabrina, the young lady we've been praying for. Uh, that uh, works in the building uh, where I work part time at. Uh, she's still reading through the Knowing I'm Saved book, and she said it's helped her tremendously. And she wanted a couple of copies to give to family members. So uh, Tammy and I gave her uh, some copies Friday at work. And then uh, she wrote into Tyler with me. And then this morning, uh, uh, we were told from Lauren that uh, she went to church with my daughter Lauren, her and her husband did, this morning there in Tyler. So what a blessing, brother. That's just good stuff. So uh, I'm so grateful. Just continue to pray for her. I told her, uh, or Tammy, I think, told her that our church was praying for her and it made her happy. So uh, God's Word's good. His gospel is still powerful to set people free from the errors. Uh, that uh, that put us in bondage. All right, we're going to be in Titus chapter 3 this morning. And uh, God willing, we'll finish out the book of Titus. And unless the Lord changes my mind, we'll be in the book of Hosea next Sunday. And uh, boy, I tell you, y'all pray for me as we go through Hosea. And uh, it's not uh, an easy book to teach through. Not an easy book to understand, but God's always been so faithful to give us the understanding we need as we go through His Word, verse by verse. Titus chapter 3, and God willing, uh, we're going to uh, begin our exposition to verse 13 this morning. The title of the message is, Some Stay and Some Go. If you're here with us this morning, for the first time, all of our messages are verse by verse from Chapter One, Verse One, all the way through the book, so next week would be a great time to start a brand new book, and all of our services are on the internet as well. When we came to the end of the book last week the the book of Titus last week, then we started uh, studying paul's final instructions to Titus, which directed him to do some very practical things which were necessary for those people at that particular moment in time but although the the needs of that day no longer exist. The principles of Paul's instructions to Titus still do. So they apply to us today. We finished up in verse 12 last week where Paul told Titus to meet him in Nicopolis because Paul was going to bed down there for winter. I enjoyed teaching that very much. Now in verse 13, Paul tells Titus, if you'll look, Paul says, "...bring Zenus, the lawyer." Brings Zenos the lawyer. Now the name Zenos is a Greek name. So I believe Zenos was probably not a Hebrew lawyer that practiced the uh, Old Testament law. Remember God's law in the Old Testament wasn't just religion. That was their law, you know, just like the penal code is our law here in the state of Texas or the U.S. government code, you know. Uh, so, uh, but he had a Greek name. And I think that he probably wasn't a Hebrew lawyer, but uh, who once taught the Old Testament was probably a Gentile who once practiced, and maybe still have in some, some form, Roman law at the time. But now preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. A Roman lawyer who was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, bring Zenus, the lawyer Practicing law, you know, I work at a courthouse. And practicing law is a profession that requires a lot of time and devotion to the trade. Like young law school graduates today, I'm sure Zenus was probably once a very excited young man dreaming about his future career in Roman law. And having finally earned the title and the prestige of being a lawyer, He probably enjoyed many of the benefits of his noble practice. As an attorney, he either dreamt about or may may actually have argued cases in the highest Roman courts. But one day, Zenos heard the gospel. And when he did, he started a brand new practice. (laughs) He started helping guilty people gain their freedom... In the highest court of all, heaven's court. Zenos, the lawyer. You now Luke was called a physician even though Luke was an evangelist. But they still called him by his profession as they're calling Zenos a lawyer here. It was a Roman judge sentenced Jesus to death. But three days later, it was heaven's judge that overturned that Roman judge and uh, raised Jesus back to life again. It was Jewish and Roman courts that condemned Jesus, but it will be God's court that condemns those people in the end. Zenos was wise enough to recognize that final rulings are rendered in heaven. So Zenus, the lawyer became Zenos, the evangelist, reminding us that there is no greater calling on earth than to share the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. Zenos, the lawyer, reminds us that the mission of the church supersedes all earthly ambitions and obligations. Matthew left a government job to preach the gospel. Peter left a family business to preach the gospel. Zenos left a professional career to preach the gospel. There is nothing more important, more urgent, more valuable, and more glorious than helping others come to know Christ as their Savior. Zenos was traveling with a man named Apollos. Most of us know him. I'm sure this is probably the same Apollos that was a well known evangelist at that time. Paul said, Bring Zenos the lawyer, look back in your text and Apollos. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, Apollos was described as, quote, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. Apollos worked hand in hand with Paul in the gospel ministry. We know this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So Apollos and Paul, they worked hand in hand the gospel ministry. And here comes Apollos and Zenus is traveling with him. And they're on some type of missionary journey. And they're apparently passing through the island of Crete. And I wonder if possibly, may even be probably... They were the ones delivering this letter, this letter to Titus that we're reading this morning, and then from there they had another place to go to. Paul doesn't say, but what Paul does say is that it was Titus's duty, rather, it was the church's duty to send these evangelists on their journey. Paul told Titus to bring them. Look back in your text on their journey diligently. The Greek word translated bring here, it means to assist someone on their journey. A little bit different than how we would use bring today in our English language, but it means to assist someone on their journey, to make sure they get to their destination safely and comfortably. If you have a modern translation of the Bible this morning, yours may say send instead of bring. And from this we learn that it is the church's duty to assist evangelists. In their effort to spread the gospel and further God's kingdom. It's our duty. God's put it on our shoulders. Traveling is expensive. If you're traveling, then you're not home working and earning money. So when you travel, you end up spending instead of earning unless your job is to travel. And so you have food and lodging and traveling expenses that require you to pay that beyond what you would have had had you stayed at home. You're going to have additional expenses. You also lead the comfort and safety of your family and your social network as well, you know, that you, you have built up. So the church is charged with aiding saints on their evangelistic journeys. In the church, therefore, we have some saints going, some saints staying and sending. In the church, everybody has the burden to spread the gospel to the world. But the only way this can work is if somebody goes and somebody stays. If somebody goes to tell the good news and somebody stays home to support them as they go. By God's design, some have the burden to stay and some have the burden to go. And by some staying and some going everybody shares the burden of sharing the gospel. It's really a beautiful design when you think about it. And this ministry, Paul said, demands our diligent attention. Paul told Titus, assist these evangelists diligently, which means earnestly and without delay. When we supply the needs of People going to tell the gospel to others. We're helping them on their journey. And when we do, it's all the same as if we're going with them. I mean, they're going in our place. Again, it's a beautiful arrangement. They go for us, we stay for them. Think of it that way. They go for us, we stay for them. And when they go, it's all the same as us going. And when we stay behind and we work to supply the gospel, it's all the same as them staying behind and working to supply the gospel. They go for us, we stay for them. But whether we go or stay, furthering the gospel, Paul said, is a matter of urgency requiring the diligent assistance of the church. I thank God our church here has been very good about supplying the needs for the gospel ministry. When uh, I, there's never been a time when I haven't known of some issue uh, and, and I know of a lot of things. I don't bring everything up because you can't support everything, <laughs> but I, I'm careful about what I bring up. But every time I brought something up, a particular need that God's laid on my heart to, to help someone sharing the gospel, the church has always got behind and supported every time. So it's an it's a diligent matter. We're to be out rescuing the perishing and caring for the dying. So I say all of this this morning without hesitation. However, I don't say it without qualification. What do you mean, Brother Richard? Well, when I I used to work for the Highway Patrol, the state had a nice slush fund. Brother Shepard will remember it. It's called the Highway 6 Fund. Remember that, Brother Shepard? Yeah. Highway 6 Fund. The Highway 6 Fund was used to fund highway construction, if you know anything about highway construction, you know what's going on all the time in Texas, right? When you drive up to Dallas, it's the eternal construction project. It's always under construction. And, 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 uh, and so it's got lots of money, or at least they, they may not even call it the Highway 6 Fund. They may have changed it. I don't know, but uh, it's been a long time ago. But, but the, there was a lot of money in the Highway 6 Fund. And the Highway Patrol was funded out of the Highway 6 fund. Kind of nice. So the Highway Patrol was very happy to belong to the Highway 6 fund, as you can imagine. I remember them telling us once, now when you go talk to your state representatives and you ask them for a raise, remind them that we're paid out of the Highway 6 fund. There's plenty of money in there. It won't take from the general budget. They told us to, to do that. At least they did in my district. Sadly, what do you say all that, Brother Richard? Well, sadly, I'm afraid many Christians have a missionary slush fund mentality. So I'm saying to support diligently the work of the gospel without hesitation. But I don't say it without qualification. The flesh is the flesh is the flesh, whether it's in the church or whether it's out of the church. And because of the matter of supporting evangelists, because the Bible calls it a diligent matter, and it is, but because pastors have stressed and the scriptures have stressed the matter of supporting evangelism uh, uh, rightly uh, rightly so again it, it's taught by the church and Christians are always very happy to support evangelistic endeavors true Christians are always very happy to support it many denominations have missions funds they host missions conferences and they take up special missions offerings every year. So like the Highway 6 Fund, many people want to fall under that mission fund umbrella. Isn't that right, Brother Shepherd? Brother Shepard head. he knows. They want to fall under that mission fund umbrella. And there's no telling how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent every year sending Americans... On free vacations. Calling them. Mission trips. There's no telling how many. Thousands. Of dollars. Are spent. Each year. On monthly. Welfare. Checks. By calling them. Missionary. Distributions. I served a church as an interim pastor once. That had a female missionary living in Ukraine, married to a Ukrainian man. That was her home. She was now Ukrainian, even though she came from America. And missionaries generally leave the field, come back to America, go around and remind everyone in the churches that send them money every month, and they remind them, hey, I'm still here. This is what I've been doing. And don't forget to keep sending me the check. That's basically what it is. And when I started checking into her, I found out that her mission work in Ukraine was her volunteering as a children's soccer coach on the weekends. What everyday moms in America do for free here on the weekend, she was getting paid a full-time salary for because she called herself a missionary. So you've got soccer moms... And then you've got soccer missionaries. All depending on where your team is and if you're able to tap into the missionary slush fund. Now that's just how it is. I'm telling you how it is. Just think of how many Bibles could be sent. And how many gospel sermons could be preached to people who've never heard the good news of Christ if churches would quit wasting God's money on things that weren't accomplishing God's work. Imagine for a moment. You imagine Zenus and Apollos. They're traveling into Crete. They're carrying the the letter of Titus uh, to Titus for Paul. They come into Crete. They show up and they're needing help to get further on their journey so they can share the good news with other people. And the church has no money to give them. Titus says, "I'm sorry. We're all tapped out. We've spent it all of our mission fund on soccer games." Could you imagine? So we want to be diligent to send. But we want to be diligent to send the right people to do the right work. And Paul said Titus needed to send them in such a fashion, look back in your text, that nothing be wanting unto them. Nothing be wanting unto them. In other words, that all their needs be met. And in order to do this, Titus had to diligently inquire about their needs for their journey. He had to take up, uh, special consideration for them that he might know the demands their journey would impose upon them and, and and care enough to see that those needs were met. Finally, Paul reminded Titus that it wasn't just those who stay who need to make themselves useful for ministry. This did not get preached very often here, but I'm glad it's in the Bible. It's not just those who stay who need to make themselves useful for ministry. He said, look in verse 14, Uh, Take your pen and let ours also, underscore ours also, not yours, not theirs, but ours. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. He's saying, Titus, you take care of Apollos and Azenos. Make sure the church supports their journey. But let ours also Learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Let our people, not just Crecian believers, but ours also, learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. You see, in ministry, we have to be very careful. Again, we're dealing with the carnal nature, even though we are saved. Uh, there's a lot of unsaved missionaries out there, unsaved evangelists out there that are sharing a, a false gospel and they're still going in the name of Christ. But, but even if a person is genuinely born again, filled with the Spirit of God, preaching the truth of God, we still have a fallen flesh that has to be held in check. And the scriptures are there to check it. We have to be careful because it's easy for one class of people to grow accustomed to always being on the receiving end of things. It's so easy. Churches are known for their benevolence. They're known for supporting those things that are good. And some people can get so used to being on the receiving end. They grow accustomed to it. They think it's always supposed to be this way. Kind of like children, you know? I mean, when, you, when you're raised up as a child, if all you ever know is going with your hand out and getting what you need, then you're just going to expect everyone to always give to you. But a good parent will finally say, okay, now you need to go work. You're old enough now. You need to work and you need to get this stuff on your own. And if not, then you're always going to be a burden. You will not maintain good works for necessary uses, you see. We all have needs. We all have necessary things in life. And so we should maintain good works to supply those things for necessary uses. If we're used to receiving gifts and help from others we may become reluctant to supply for the needs of others and ourselves. Here's a kingdom truth for you if you're taking notes. Being helped by others does not excuse us from being responsible for ourselves. Being helped by others does not excuse us from being responsible for ourselves. We see this in society all the time, don't we? We see us in the name of helping people. We create dependent people. We're not really helping them at all. And people get used to having people give them stuff and supplying their needs and thinking for them. They just learn to sit back and do nothing. And not being responsible for themselves or anybody else. Let someone else be responsible for me, they start thinking. But being helped by others does not excuse us from being responsible for ourselves. Getting help also doesn't excuse you from giving help. I remember uh, this missionary one time, or evangelist. They're really evangelists, but a lot of churches call them missionaries, so I, I use it interchangeably. I remember my dad and another man at church years back. I remember them out working in the front yard of the church. And they were trying to lift something very heavy. And uh, and my dad, he's 82 now. Well, back then he was in his uh, late 60s. And the gentleman that he was with, he was in his mid-70s. And there was a young evangelist, quote evangelist. He didn't evangelize anybody. But he was an evangelist to Spain, what was his mission? Well, he was a softball coach. And I remember him sitting on the front steps of the church, wearing a pair of shorts, playing on his phone. And my dad and this other man were out there trying to lift this heavy object. And he just sat there watching him, playing on his phone. Never offered to help. Never just went over. No, never left. You see, we get so used to it. We get so accustomed to receiving things. Getting help doesn't excuse you from giving help. Paul was saying, let them make themselves useful, look back in your text, that they be not unfruitful. And yes, I made that rhyme on purpose. How about that, Jeremy? Make yourselves useful that you be not unfruitful. It's easy to grow accustomed to somebody else doing all the work. Taking all the risks. Supplying all the need. And bearing all the responsibility. It's easy. But it's not biblical. We should only receive from others what we can't supply for ourselves. I'm going to repeat that again. Whether it's talking about missionary work or whatever. We should only receive from others what we can't supply for ourselves. That is biblical. Let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Apollos and Zenos were too busy witnessing to always be working. That was the key. That's the fundamental uh, qualification for them receiving help on this journey. They were too busy witnessing to always be working. Now on the other hand, how many of y'all hold a full-time job right now? That's, that's some, most of us in here. We've got an older congregation here. But everyone has held a full-time job before. As they were too busy witnessing to always be working, flip that around. We're too busy working to always be witnessing. Isn't that right? Remember, some go, some stay. We all have primary responsibilities. But the fact that Paul said, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, it lets us know that (laughs) that just because some are always witnessing doesn't mean they should never be working. And just become, because some are always working doesn't mean they should never be witnessing. Here's a kingdom truth for you. Full-time witnessing doesn't excuse us from part-time working. In full-time working doesn't excuse us from part-time witnessing. Finally, Paul said, verse 15, All that are with me Salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. All that are with me in Paul's company, they saluted Titus. And he said, Greet them that love us in the faith. This is so precious to me. Their hearts were with them there in Crete. Their hearts were there in Crete and the Cretans' hearts were We're there with them. It's a beautiful thing. They were separated by many miles, but they were joined by mutual faith in Christ. So Paul sent not only his instructions, but also his love in this letter. He said, Look back in your text, grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. I couldn't help but think of how Brother Wisdom, our evangelist in Nigeria, we spoke Friday. And I couldn't help but think. Of how he closed his words to me. After we spoke. We're speaking through. Text messaging. Back and forth. He said some very nice things. But I'm going to go, just going to tell you his final words. He said. Do extend my warm regard to Mama Tammy. And the church. Do extend my warm regard to Mama Tammy in the church. He thinks about our church all the time. We think about Him all the time. And when I speak to Him, I love Him. How? In the faith, just like Paul described. I love Him because I know His love for Christ. And I know He does for me as well. I've never met Him, but He's very precious to me. We, like Paul and Titus and their company... We all are separated by many miles, but we're all joined by mutual faith in Jesus and a mutual mission to tell others about Him. And with that in mind, based on all we've learned today in the Scriptures, we close this wonderful book so full of practical instruction, practical wisdom, and very deep doctrine. And the church said our last word, Amen. With that, we'll go ahead and close, and God willing, We'll take up in the book of Hosea next Sunday morning. It's going to be good. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your precious Word. And Lord, I pray, Father, that those who work full-time will remember, Father, to witness part-time. And those who witness full-time We'll remember to work part-time. That one never excuses the other. That we share the burden. That we may accomplish the mission together. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.